From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dunn. Oregon isn't shy about pushing the envelope of controversial policies. The state was first to legalize psilocybin services and one of the first to legalize recreational pot. And of course, the state passed Measure 110 back in 2020 to decriminalize possession of some drugs. Today, however, some groups are pushing back and saying that Measure 110 went too far and point to it as a reason why overdoses are on the rise. Today on Oregon on the Record, we'll revisit a conversation we had a while back about Measure 110 You'll hear from a street cop who sees the daily toll of drugs like fentanyl, but also an academic who's written that Measure 110 is not the reason for increasing drug problems in Oregon. You'll also get a real-time update from a reporter with the Oregon Capital Chronicle about what the legislature might do with Measure 110 in the latest legislative session. Today on Oregon on the Record, while our legislature is grappling with Measure 110, You'll hear a science-based view on how the measure is not a reason for increased drug problems and a policing view who says it does. But before we get to those discussions, we'll get the latest on the measure with Oregon Capital Chronicle reporter Ben Botkin. Ben Botkin, a reporter with the Oregon Capital Chronicle, thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. Boy, I know you've covered this, 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 this issue and this ballot initiative for a while. Can you just sort of give a reminder to, the, to our audience about what this controversy has been about with regard to this this ballot initiative? Sure. So here's just kind of a rundown of, of what we've had. Remember, voters passed Measure 110 in 2020 when mm-hmm. we were in the middle of a, a pandemic. And uh, since then, you've had um, uh, cannabis revenue has gone towards addiction treatment and services. The other side of that, though, is that Measure 110 uh, legalized possession of small amounts of hard drugs. Mm-hmm. So after Measure 110 passed, you had more public drug use, and you also had, uh, of course, rising uh, fentanyl overdoses. Now, that happened all over the U.S., uh, the Western U.S., not just Oregon, but the timing coincided with uh, the passage of 110. So you have this uh, confluence of various things, fentanyl overdoses, public drug use, Measure 110, And now efforts to try to um, adjust uh, or reshape the system in a way that addresses uh, the addiction crisis. Okay. Okay. So, so from what you, from your reporting and what you've heard up in, up in Salem, what might the legislature do or try to do, especially now in the, in the short session that we're currently in? So what they're trying to do is, a combination of uh, addressing this from a public health perspective as well as law enforcement. So that could look something along the lines of uh, police officers would be able to um, potentially arrest someone for misdemeanor if they're found with a small amount of drugs. Uh, But that person would have the option to avoid charges if they enter what's called a deflection program where they could get an assessment and have an initial appointment to start treatment. Uh, So the big question now is, okay, we have this idea, uh, this combination of public health and police being more involved again. What's that going to look like and how will things like the court system, prosecutors, police and addiction treatment providers, how will they all mesh together in a 
uniform, uh, consistent way. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, some in the legislature have been very supportive of Measure 110 and, and its initial tenants. You know, are they are, are there some voices in the legislature that are basically saying it doesn't need fixing and maybe it just needs time to sort of, you know, catch on? Uh, sure, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, on one hand, you've got um, uh, people who say Measure 110 needs to be uh, entirely repealed uh, with the restoration of uh class a misdemeanors which would carry up to a year in jail uh unless someone enters treatment uh but then on the other hand you've got people who say we need to keep measure 110 in place it's just getting started let's let more funding go into programs and just give it a chance to work and uh, see how things uh, roll out over the next couple of years so you do have that and then in the middle of that you have uh the people uh many of them Democrats who would say, let's keep parts of Measure 110 like the funding, but also put in place a uh, Class C misdemeanor, which would give police a little bit more um, more of a tool to uh, encourage people to enter treatment. Okay, okay. And across the board through all those arguments, everybody on both sides really seemed to say, we don't really want to put people in jail who have drug addiction. We want to get them treatment. Everybody agrees that that's what they want to do. The question is, is how do you do that? And uh, what type of, of role do uh, police and, and criminal charges play in this? Yeah, yeah. Well, Ben Botkin, a reporter with the Oregon Capital Chronicle, really appreciate coming on and giving us the, the, the latest and the greatest on this update on Measure 110. Thanks, Michael. With that context of the controversy of Measure 110 in mind, now you'll hear from a cop on the street about what he sees every day. Street Crimes Officer Brad Hanneman with the Eugene Police Department, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us. You're welcome. It's good to be here. So there's been this study out about Measure 110, and and what the findings suggest is that, indeed, absolutely, drug overdoses and problems such as that are are certainly going up in our state, but they're also going up in a whole bunch of other states that they use as a control group. And so their their findings were along the lines of, it can't be Measure 110, there must be something else going on. I want to ask you kind of your reaction to that, but also just sort of what you're seeing here on the streets in, in Eugene. I'm sure that the people that do a lot of these studies, they, mm-hmm. you know, they, uh, they have the time and, and the degrees to do that. Um, I don't have a degree and I don't need a degree, uh, to tell you that, uh, measure 110 went into effect, uh, in, I think it was February of 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, that year, uh, there was 565 overdoses. Uh, the next year there was 823 overdoses. So a big uh, increase. And then this year, so far, 858 overdoses. So the data can be skewed. These mm-hmm. are just Eugene numbers. These are not uh, covering Springfield or Lane County. These are Eugene numbers. And that's what I have to pay attention to. That's what we pay attention to. Whether uh, is our overdoses going up all over the place? Heck yes, they are. Mm-hmm. The, the reason they are probably is because uh, the introduction of fentanyl. Uh, it has kind of just spread across the entire United States. Uh, it takes us about maybe two months uh, to realize what's occurring at the border 
here. So what we see at the border, get reports on different fentanyl or carfentanyl or something coming across the border. Mm -hmm. We may not realize that here in Oregon uh, for probably two months. As a cop, you're used to, I imagine throughout your career, arresting people who have drugs in their possession. What's it like after Measure 110, maybe seeing that same circumstance that maybe five years ago would have been, oh, that's a clear case of arrest, and now it's not. I guess just, you know, what is it, what is it? Is it a challenge mentally or just, just kind of in your training to sort of have to adjudicate that situation instantaneously? Well, I mean, I think we're constantly adjusting in law enforcement. Uh, and I'll just use an example of, uh, of marijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started in law enforcement 15 years ago, uh, marijuana was illegal. Sure. Um, and so you could do things just on your smell. Mm -hmm. right? I could search somebody's pockets or I could... Uh, and that was a jailable offense to possess marijuana, um, or and most people would get a ticket. Mm -hmm. But then slowly, the medicinal marijuana started getting talked about. Okay. And what we were seeing is, uh, from a patrol standpoint, what I was seeing is uh, basically not doing any prosecutions on user amounts of marijuana, especially if somebody said um, that it was for medical purposes. Okay. Um, and then. Of course, the law, you know, changed to where marijuana was legal, mm -hmm. um, and then there were stipulations behind that, and so everything evolved. I see. Um, with that, and I don't know if it's an evolution or a devolution of things, but either way, um, we had to make our adjustments that way. Sure, sure. I imagine you have opportunities to talk to. Uh, law enforcement officers in other communities. You know, what, what's been the general consensus? Maybe if you've talked to uh, police officers in rural towns in Oregon and also perhaps people up in Portland or other big cities about, you know, what they're seeing in terms of drug overdoses or uh, drug use, and then perhaps even some opinions about Measure 110 from that community as well. well Fellow officers. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know that a lot of, I think all the officers that I've talked to um, at like the Oregon Narcotics Officers Association mm -hmm. uh, this last summer, uh, Measure 110 is just not something that's uh, good for anybody. Uh, it doesn't it really help us for law enforcement. It's definitely not helping the addicts. Mm -hmm. um, the e-violations uh, were really kind of disjointed and how they were going to go out, where okay. they were going to go, who's going to get those. Could you explain the e-violation real quick? Well, so it, it made it, so Measure 110, they created an e-violation, which uh, if you get a ticket, okay. but it wasn't a, um, a, it wasn't like a citation in lieu of custody. What it was is it was a summons to appear, okay. uh, and you're also provided with a phone number to call. Um, and the hope was that people would call this number to avoid paying a $100 fine for possession of uh, hard narcotics. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people didn't call. Okay. Um, in fact, most of the people didn't call and, and really it never gained any steam. There wasn't a whole lot of citations issued the way I understand it, even throughout the entire state. Hmm. Um, as far as overdoses go, um, that's a just ongoing trend and it's a trend that's going upward. Um, I think there's right around 219 overdose deaths a year or a day in the United States. Wow. Um, right now we're, we've eclipsed 2022 in overdoses okay. and I don't have the hard numbers on overdose deaths, but, sure. um, 
we have eclipsed that number okay. uh, and we still have a couple more months to go. Well, Brad Hanneman, he's a street crimes officer with the Eugene Police Department. Thanks so much for talking to us. You're welcome. Our next guest was part of a complex study to look at the impacts of Measure 110. What they found is that, yes, drug overdoses are up, but that they're up everywhere, including 13 other states that don't have a Measure 110 decriminalization policy. Corey Davis, an assistant clinical professor at NYU's Grossman School of Medicine, as well as the director of the Harm Reduction Legal Project at the Network for Public Health Law. Thanks so much for talking with us. Sure. Happy to be here. Yeah. I know you were part of a study into the impacts of, of, of drug decriminalization policies, including a, 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 ver- a very significant one here in Oregon. Can you give us just a general overview of what your research showed? Sure. We actually published two papers. Uh, one looked at the impact of Measure 110 mm-hmm. on drug arrests and other arrests in Oregon. And the second one looked at the impact of Measure 110 on fatal overdoses in Oregon. And we found, uh, kind of unsurprisingly with the first one, that drug arrests did go down quite a bit, as could be expected. And with the second one, we found no significant change. We found that Measure 110, in the first year after it was implemented, didn't seem to have any significant impact on fatal drug overdoses in hmm. Oregon. Hmm. And, and as I understand it, in your study, you looked at other states as well, which I guess, you know, generally we're seeing some increases w- with related to drugs. But again, your, your study showed that, you know, Measure 110 seemingly didn't have an impact in, in terms of those, drug o- those fatal drug overdoses. But, but we're seeing increases in a lot of places. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So the study design, yeah, attempted to tease out the impact, if any, of Measure 110 on overdoses. Mm -hmm. It is true, as you said, that overdoses have been going up in Oregon, continue to go up in Oregon during the study period. And that was true of most states Hmm. in the United States. We're in a, unfortunately, a decade plus long string of increases in, in fatal drug overdoses pretty much throughout the country. And that was true in Oregon as well. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not sure if it's in the parameters of your study, but do you have any ideas why that decades-long increase in in drug overdoses has has been occurring? Yeah, I mean, we have a pretty good idea. And, you know, in in this field, we think about it in in terms of kind of three waves. You Mm -hmm. know, the first wave of overdose deaths was related to increases in in heroin use and um, then prescription drug use. And the last few years, it's almost solely been driven by fentanyl, which a lot of people have heard about. But fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, almost all of the fentanyl in the drug supply it's not diverted pharmaceutical fentanyl. It's it's illicitly made fentanyl that is, you know, just spreading throughout the country and has been doing that over the past few years. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my view. And it's the view of, of most, you know, drug policy researchers is that the increase that we've seen over the past, you know, four or five years throughout the country is largely attributable to this increase in fentanyl contamination in the illicit drug supply. And I mean, to explain our our methods a little bit, I mean, what we did was we compared 
You know, we looked at all of the states in the country in the period before Measure 110 passed, and we looked to see which of them had the trajectory uh, that was closest to Oregon in the in the pre-study period, right? So um, we call those, you know, those are our comparator states, or um, in this method, we call them the donor states. Okay. And the idea is that because Oregon was moving most closely to those states before Measure 110 passed. And we would assume that after Measure 110 passed, it would continue to follow the same general trajectory of those states. So we just, you know, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. But then we look to see, was there a difference after Measure 110 went into effect in Oregon and, and didn't go into effect in those other dozen states? Did we see a difference in the trajectory. And we didn't. Um, that's a method called the synthetic control method. I think that some people don't really understand is that we're not saying that overdoses didn't go up in Oregon. Mm -hmm. They did. Um, what we're saying is that they didn't seem to have gone up more in Oregon after Measure 110 passed than would, we would have expected them to go up had Measure 110 not passed you know in, in other words you know overdoses were on the rise beforehand they continued to rise in oregon and they continued to rise in the states that were most similar to oregon uh before measure 110 passed okay okay i mean part of the reason that we wanted to do this study is because measure 110 was relatively unique and you know we wanted to see what would what would happen um yeah, and you know, there's always people who are going to be unhappy. I, I would say, I, as a non-Oregonian, mm -hmm. I actually thought that it would be the folks who were supporters of Measure 110 who would be upset with the findings because, mm -hmm. you know, um, when Measure 110 was being debated and and discussed. Um, one of the selling points that proponents um, put forward, and, and I think that they were very sincere in this, mm -hmm. um, was that it would help reduce overdose deaths. Yeah. And, you know, we found that at least in the first year, it, it didn't seem to do that. So I was actually a bit surprised, hmm. <laughs> you know, not being steeped in Oregon politics, sure. um, that in fact it was the opponents um, who you know, uh, who were upset at, at the findings. But I mean, it is what it is, you yeah. know. Um, uh, you know, and, and like I said, it's only the first year um, afterwards. I know that proponents of Measure 110 um, point out that Measure 110 not only just decriminalized drugs, but it also, you know, had this big investments in treatment and prevention and harm reduction that you know that money took a while to roll out yeah. so i think that they're still hopeful that that longer um in longer terms there will be a reduction um but you know we don't know we didn't we didn't look at that um, sure. and once those data are available um you know hopefully we'll be able to look at them okay okay do we need to th rethink how we combat this and that the idea that maybe something like more interdiction more education at the front end is it might be able to be a better solution than than you know trying to aim local state federal law enforcement agencies solely at the problem i mean that was uh, my understanding is kind of the guiding idea behind measure 110 mm -hmm. that 
you know, the traditional, you know, methods that are heavy on law enforcement. Um, and Oregon is actually particularly bad at treatment access, you know, depending on on how you measure it. It's something like 45th in the country as far as access to um you know, to drug treatment, that what was happening before wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that is is pretty clear when you look at our record number of overdose deaths and the fact that they've been increasing pretty much year over year, like I said, for more than a decade. Um, Yeah, so in my mind, it is, you know, the empirical evidence shows pretty clearly that what we've been doing, you know, hasn't worked. And that's Partly, like I said, why we were so interested in, you know, studying Measure 110, because it shows, you know, it's an example of a state trying something different. I think of it as like a pragmatic, real world um, view of, of, uh, of, of drug use and drug policy, like trying to find out, okay, if we put aside our preconceived notions, you know, what actually works? Like, what does the evidence tell us actually works? And, um, you know, the empirical evidence for locking up people who have a substance use disorder, not providing them with treatments, um, not providing them, for example, if they are unhoused and don't have a job with the resources to get those things, um, you know, it, it doesn't do anything uh, to reduce drug-related harm, um, either to the individual or or to society. Well, Corey Davis, uh, assistant clinical professor at NYU's Grossman School of Medicine, as well as the director of the Harm Reduction Legal Project at the Network for Public Health Law, thanks so much for talking with us about this very complex issue. Yeah, my pleasure. That's our show. No one could blame you if you feel like our society's position on drugs creates a whiplash effect from a total just-say-no war-on-drug stance to the pendulum swinging to legal pot, legal psilocybin, and Measure 110. And on that last one, there's no shortage of opinion about where the pendulum needs to swing more forcefully towards an outright repeal and going back to the way it was in Oregon, or towards some adjustments and a deliberate swing towards education and addiction treatment. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, and this has been Oregon on the Record from KLCC. Thanks so much for listening.